Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. Our scripture lesson from today comes from 1 John 1, 4, 1-12. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judah and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you your living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. My name is Forrest Krisky. I'm a senior at Marietta High School, and my family and I have been members of Marietta First for my entire life. As you all know, this past weekend was Discovery Weekend for the youth program. This year, our theme was Greater Than. The goal was to encourage our students to identify if they are a spectator, participant, or servant, and encourage them to take the next step in their faith. We focused on four Christian truths about servant leadership. The first is doing is greater than talking. Second is less than is greater than greater than. The third is serving is greater than being served. And the fourth is we is greater than me. This morning, I would like to speak to y'all about how doing is greater than talking. While I began to write this sermon, I struggled to find examples of action speaking louder than words. I began to brainstorm about times in my life where I've seen someone exemplifying doing is greater than talking. I quickly realized that my dad is a perfect example of this. If you know me, then you know I'm a huge Riley Green fan. In his song, That's What I've Been Told, he says, when daddy don't say nothing, you better listen. This could, <laughs> this could not be more true in relation to my dad. My dad is my biggest role model, and I'm always looking up to him, so I'm always watching him closely. For those of you that know my dad, you know that he's a great guy. He is constantly having to teach me life lessons, and one of the greatest ones he's taught me is that doing is greater than talking. My dad has always preached the importance of hard work to his kids. He can tell us that hard work is important all he wants, but his words would be meaningless if his actions didn't back it up. If you know my dad, you know I'm speaking truthfully when I say that he is an extremely hard worker. But for those of you that don't, I'm going to explain what an average day looks like for my dad to help y'all understand. At about 4 a.m., he wakes up because my mom is snoring too loud. <laughs> he usually gets up around 5, gets himself ready for the day, and then starts to work in his office. He'll work in his home office for about an hour before he goes to his actual office to work for the rest of the day. He comes home around 6-ish to 7, and then if he needs to, after dinner, he'll work some more. Now, this isn't the only way my dad demonstrates hard work. When me and my dad and my brother do yard work, he usually starts by telling us all the things we need to get done. 
George and I will then complain because we usually have already made plans for the day, and then he'll go, well, you better work hard. Now, Dad saying this to us doesn't mean anything until he picks up a shovel or the rake or whatever tool it is we're using, and he works twice as hard as us. Now, I will say that in recent years, he's been doing a little bit more talking than doing. That's, <laughs> that's not because his philosophies have changed. He just can't really bend, up, bend over to pick up the shovel anymore. <laughs> In all seriousness, my dad really does prove that doing is greater than talking. But what does this look like in our faith? St. Francis of Assisi is accredited with saying, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. As Christians, we are called to spread the gospel, and St. Francis is telling us to do so through our actions rather than our words. James 2, verses 14 through 17, reiterate this by saying, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. This verse is asking how good is our faith if our actions do not back up our beliefs? How good is our faith if our actions alone do not show people that we are followers of Christ? You may think this is a hard thing to do, but it's as simple as going and eating with the kid that's sitting alone in the cafeteria, or standing up for the kid that's getting picked on, or paying for your friend's meal when they forget their wallet at home. This is how God calls us to demonstrate our beliefs so that we may live through him. This is how we as Christians show that doing truly is greater than talking. This weekend, we challenged the youth of our church to consider where they stood in their relationship with God. They were asked, are you a spectator, participant, or servant? They were then encouraged to take the next step in their journey with Jesus. This morning, I want to challenge you all with the same question. Are you a spectator, participant, or servant? Are you a spectator? Do you come to church whenever you are feeling up for it and benefit from the services, events, and programs, but you don't tithe and volunteer? Do you treat the church like a NASCAR pit stop and just stop by whenever things in life are making you feel empty? Or maybe you're a participant. You come and participate in the life of the church, and you even tithe, but serving? That's the job of the staff. Is that the role of someone else? Or are you a servant? Have you dedicated your life to serving God and to be a servant in our church by orienting your life around the needs of our church and our community? Do you volunteer as a greeter, an usher, a committee member, a kid Sunday school teacher, or a youth small group leader? Are you a spectator? Are you a participant? Or are you a servant? Thank you. Good morning. I'm Charlotte Bullington, and I'm in 10th grade at Marietta High School. I'm very excited to be sharing this message because I've been going to Marietta FUMC since I was born. This past weekend has been a great opportunity to connect with God. It's been full of worship, lip sync battles, silent disco, and prayer stations. I'm so thankful that I got to experience this because Discovery Weekends is one of my favorite weekends of the year. Today, I want to focus on 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. This verse really sticks out to me because I find a lot of the time I try to handle everything by myself. I tell myself that I'm capable of handling something that isn't realistic and I don't turn to other people for help. I feel like a lot of the time we don't like asking for help from others because we don't want to feel judged or less than. Whether it's a class, a job, a friendship, or your health, you have to remember that you are not alone and everyone has something that they're struggling with. There have been several times in my life where I've been afraid to admit that I need help. 
Back in seventh grade, when I was running cross country, I started to notice something was wrong with my knees, but I didn't want to tell my coaches and parents and fear that they would make me stop running. I was afraid that my teammates would think I was making excuses and I didn't want to be seen as less than. When I did finally tell my parents and coach, they were glad I shared this information and happy to help. We have to remember that God loves when we ask for help. He will always let us turn to him and he will always accept us with open arms. Turning to God over otherworldly things always also helps you grow in your relationship with him. I saw this happen to me a lot when school started back in August. I had been doing virtual school for a majority of the previous year, so a lot of adjustments in my daily life had to be made. I had to switch from taking tests in my bed with all my notes right in front of me to sitting at my desk without any help from my worksheets that I had completed. I remembered very quickly that in-person was going to be a lot more challenging than virtual school. School soon became very stressful and gave me a lot of anxiety. I started turning to things such as my phone and Instagram to distract me from all the stress that I was dealing with. Eventually, I discovered that I needed to be turning to God in these situations because He's the only one that can actually provide me peace. His love for us is constant and unconditional, so He is always willing to help us. Even though it may not come quickly, God will repeatedly show up and will always be willing to help us. The Bible says that God shows us peace, strength, and love no matter what. So why wouldn't we turn to Him? Um, for most people, it's not the easiest turning to God. Even for Christians, it's a lot easier to rely on social media for distractions rather than simply turning to the Bible. My dad constantly tells me that the easiest options in our life aren't always the best options. Although I don't like to admit it when he tells me this, I know he's right. Yes, everyone can agree that it's easier to pick up your phone and start scrolling rather than reading your Bible. But we have to ask ourselves which action would be the most beneficial to us in our relationship with God. A lot of our life is spent pursuing things that don't even matter in the long run. Any worldly possession that distracts us from growing in our faith isn't worth putting our energy into. God purposely puts situations in our life that we can't handle by ourselves so that we can learn to turn to Him for guidance. Once I realized this, I started talking to God and reading my Bible as a part of my daily schedule, and my faith grew a lot stronger. God doesn't always put easy situations in our life because He wants us to know that having faith in Him, no matter the circumstance, can allow us to find so much peace in His presence. In my opinion, the best way to spend time with God is in a simple environment where I can truly focus on Him and His Word. I have found that simply going into my room without my phone and reading my Bible is the best way to connect with Him. I realized quickly that I couldn't truly connect with God if there were tons of other things on my mind. Although it may be difficult, trying to spend just a few minutes a day with only God will really change the way you live. I know there's a hundred of other things going on in your life. Whether it's an interview for a job, an upcoming test, or problems in your relationships, it can be very hard to take time out of your day. But like I said, the easiest option isn't always the best and most beneficial option. As Christians, we are constantly told to focus on things above rather than earthly things so that we can mainly focus on our relationship with God. Nowadays, it's very easy to, to be consumed by earthly things. We focus too much on having the latest and greatest objects which negatively impacts our faith and relationship with God. We have to realize that our identity is not found in anything but God. If you think about it, Jesus was kind of a minimalist. He didn't have a lot of money, clothes, or expensive belongings. He had less than everyone around him, but devoted his whole life to sharing the word of God. Constantly comparing yourself to what others have and what you don't have won't matter in the end. Our belongings do not define us. The only thing that honestly defines us is God in our relationship with Him. 
which can be improved by getting rid of the things in your life that are distracting you from him. Now, I'm not trying to say to throw away all your belongings and become a minimalist, but I am encouraging you to find the things in life that are keeping you from strengthening your relationship with God. Whether it's your phone, social media, money, friendships, or work, simply identifying what is causing distance between you and God is a big step in strengthening your relationship with Him. These past few years, I have realized that it's the little acts that can have the biggest impacts on people. To end my speaking time with you this morning, I would like to share with one of you the greatest gifts I've ever received. During my sixth grade year, my grandfather passed. The last time I saw him, Pop gave me a letter. At the time, I didn't think much of it, but looking back at it, it's one of the most meaningful gifts I've ever received. I think about this letter quite often. This time in my life is a perfect example that less than is greater than greater than. Pop's letter to me made a huge impact in my life, and I still look back on it to this day. You may not realize it, but a lot of the time, smaller acts make the biggest differences. I want to challenge you to go out this week and make someone's day through a small act of kindness. Whether it's complimenting a friend, writing a note to someone you appreciate, or paying for the person behind you, I'm hopeful that you leave today and remember that the slightest actions can have the biggest outcomes in people's lives. Thank you. Good morning. My name is John Turner, and I'm a senior at Marietta High School. My family and I have been going to Marietta First for several years. We have had a great weekend of fellowship this weekend at Discovery Weekend, and I am happy to be here this morning to talk about service and how serving is greater than being served. This is a fitting topic for us this morning, as Methodism takes its mission from John Wesley's call for the church to put God's love into action. And for John Wesley, a life of faith was a life of service. Faith is an internal thing. It has to do with your trust in Jesus. Service is an external thing. It is driven by internal faith, but it finds its way into everyday life. We work on and develop our faith around our Lord, remembering the expectation to serve and not be served. But what does service mean for us, and how do we incorporate it into our everyday lives? 1 John chapter 4 explains to us that the primary way Christians are recognized is by love. This is not merely what we feel, but what we do for others. The last few verses of the reading really stand out to me. Starting from verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This tells us that God's sacrifice was and is his greatest service to us. So we have an obligation as Christians to humbly serve others in his name without looking for notoriety or reciprocity. What is service? What does being a servant leader mean? How can we as Christians be servant leaders every day and not just on special days where we can volunteer or donate to a cause? I'd like to talk a little about service in the Bible and how it has remained a constant theme through the Old Testament to the New Testament and into present day. When I read Bible stories in the Old Testament, what stands out to me is the faith and obedience shown towards God. This concept remains constant throughout, and there are many examples of people serving God through obedience. For example, 
Abraham was instructed by God to sacrifice his own son to test his faith to God, and he was willing to do so. Moses was instructed by God to take all of the Jews out of Egypt and follow him to a promised land. Moses knew nothing of this land, but he followed anyway. Noah was instructed to build a massive ark and put many animals on it. He did not understand why God asked him to do this, but he obeyed regardless. These are all acts of obedience towards God, but they are also acts of service towards him. These instructions by God were tests of internal faith, and they found their way into the everyday lives of Abraham, Moses, and Noah. The New Testament builds on the foundation of obedient service built in the Old Testament through the model of the ultimate service le servant leader, Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, Jesus set a high standard of service for his followers to live up to in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to his life a ransom for many. The purpose of Jesus being placed on earth was to serve, but how did he do so? How was he different from the rest? In John chapter 13, verse 16, after shocking his disciples by washing their feet, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are the messengers greater than the ones who sent them. There are so many examples of how serving is better than being served in the Bible. But the real question for many of us is, what is service, and how do I become a service-oriented Christian? What does that even mean? Well, we spend a lot of time at work, school, church, sports, and social outings, so how can we emulate Jesus and execute God's call for us to serve others on a daily basis in everything that we do? How do we continue this concept of servant leadership in today's world? Obviously, as Jesus did throughout his life, servant leaders must serve other people and use their skills in order to support others. Additionally, as Jesus also did, we must put the needs of other people before our own personal desires. But physically serving people is not the only service we can provide. We can serve and lead by living in God's word and instructing others to do the same. We must lead by example, and we can do so by doing the following. As servant leaders, we must follow the word of the Lord. This does not only mean going to church and learning from God, but this also means that we will take what we learn in church and apply it to our lives. We must put the needs of others first. This can mean many different things. It can mean that we give someone a chance no matter the situation. It can mean showing grace to others when they need it and it can mean that we forgive others. We must seek the growth of our followers. We can do so by coaching sports to younger athletes, tutoring people at school, guiding someone through a tough time in their lives, or we can help a friend in the church become closer to God. We must hold ourselves accountable and, and our followers accountable as well. We do this by taking personal responsibility for our own work. We also must trust people and know that we can count on each other to accomplish a mutual goal. We must take the side of the Lord. We do this by following the commandments of our Lord, no matter the situation or no matter where we are. And lastly, we must keep our promises. We must do what we say we were going to do. We are supposed to be where we are supposed to be. We remain loyal in our faith to our family and to our friends. We do our very best when taking an assignment or a job, and we take action on our own personal goals. These are some of the characteristics of a servant leader in the church and some quick ideas of how we can extend these principles to the workplace, the classroom, and our social life, and many other places. We can be servant leaders by living with honesty, humility, love, and care for others as we serve the greater good.
The last thing I'll provide you with today is the third verse of a children's hymn called I Sing a Song of the Saints of God, written by L. Scott. The verse explains to us that saints and servants of the Lord are found all over the world. And their impact can be felt in many different ways. It also calls us into service. It wants us to fall in line with Jesus and with the Lord's servants. It inspires us to be servant leaders in our own life. The verse reads, they live not only in ages past, there are hundreds of thousands still. The world is bright with the joint saints who love and do Jesus' will. You can meet them in school or in lanes or at sea, in church or in trains or in shops or at tea. For the saints of God are just folk like me, and I mean to be one too. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Frances Story, and I'm a 10th grader at Marietta High School. I've been attending Marietta First my whole life, and I've been a part of the youth group since sixth grade. My grandfather, Sam Story, was one of the associate ministers here for many years. My parents, siblings, grandmother, aunt, uncle, and cousins all attend this church, so this church and youth group are very special to me. Events like Discovery Weekend remind me why I love this youth group so much. This year was my first year as a student leader and another opportunity to put my faith into action. The passage I'll be talking about today is 1 John 4, verses 1 through 12. And I'll be focusing on the idea that we is greater than me. I'm going to start with 1 John 4, 7 through 12. It reads, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not no, does not know God, for God is love. God's love was real, revealed to us, um, among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. These verses talk about how it is our job as Christians to love like God. Knowing God is loving other people. People often think they have to do big things like go on mission trips or volunteer in the community in order to spread God's love. However, this is much more simple than that. Yes, going on these extravagant mission trips and being active in the community are awesome, but the simplest way to spread God's word is just to love other people. Loving others can make a big impact on people in your everyday life. Think about a time when you might have been having a bad day and someone did something as simple as hold the door for you. Or maybe someone in front of you in the drive-thru paid for your meal. Those things were so easy for you, yet that person might still be able to recall those moments and how they impacted you that day. God showed his love for us by sending his only son into the world to sacrifice for our sins. Because Jesus died for us, we do not have to suffer alone or be ashamed of our sins. The act Jesus did for us was more than great, and we are called to convey that greatness in our everyday lives. A lot of people assume that Christians don't struggle or go through hard times. God doesn't promise that we won't struggle. God actually uses struggles in our lives to reveal himself. His presence makes the difficult times easier to go through. When we go through dark times, he is the light. While this is hard to imagine, we should be thankful for our struggles. This re represents the idea of we. This we is you and God or you within your church community. 
Me is you by yourself. People in your church community are there to pray for you and help you through hard times. Without God or people by your side, the struggle might take over you. We were not created to conquer this world alone. People, especially teenagers, are often distracted by society and worldly things that do not come from God and often try to conquer things alone. We do not always turn to the Bible or to prayer because we want our problems to, fi to be fixed instantly. Society gives us answers instantly, but God's plan takes time and trust. Verse 1 states, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. The Bible tells us to test worldly things to see if they are from God. In our everyday lives, this looks like evaluating the group of people we hang out with, checking the things we consume on social media, and thinking about how we compare ourselves to other people. Rather than comparing ourselves to worldly things, we should be comparing ourselves to how faithful we are to God. Verse 4 reminds us that God is greater than the things of this world. It says, Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. God will always answer our prayers, but the answer just might be no. It is sometimes very hard to remember that his plan is greater than ours. For example, basketball is a huge part of my life. I miss birthday parties, sleepovers, and sometimes family vacations to play year-round. Recently, I have had to test my faith and believe that God's plan truly is better than mine. I injured my knee during a game last week, and as soon as it happened, my mind immediately went to worst-case scenario. We still aren't exactly sure what's going on or what the next few months will look like for me. Potentially taking six to nine months off of basketball was definitely not the plan I had for myself, but I know there's something greater coming out of this. Over the last week, I have experienced the we in this community. The love I have received from my family, coaches, teammates, and friends have made this difficult time easier to get through. I know God is revealing himself through these people and giving me the comfort that I will not go through my recovery alone. With that being said, I encourage you to be a part of the we in this church community and be open to experiencing God's everlasting love. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at MarietaFUMC.org or on Facebook at MarietaFUMC.org.